You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. We are back at the Sunset Tower Hotel on a glorious, sunny, yet very cool and crisp day in Los Angeles. We're about to have lunch with one of the most beautiful people in Hollywood. And I don't just mean physically, because she's gorgeous, but also inside. Sharon Stone, Oscar-nominated actress, a Golden Globe winner, the star of Casino, Basic Instinct. It's super fun. It's super chill. We actually eat, so I hope you're hungry. I am, and I'm so happy to see you. Thank you. Me too. But what I love about Sharon, what inspires me about Sharon is her commitment to our community, my community, the LGBTQ plus community. She has been an advocate for raising awareness with HIV AIDS. She has been the face and the fundraiser for AMFAR, the American Federation for AIDS Research. It's a big deal. And she's stood in the forefront of making sure women and men get paid the same She's just a rock star. Then we're we doing fries or salad for the salad. Oh, we're doing fries. <laughs> nice and crispy. Right, yeah. We're laying in. We're, lean, we're leaning in. We are leaning in. So pull up and relax and grab your rose and get ready because she also is super cool and a fun, outspoken person. Hi. Okay, hi. Hi, Sharon Stone. I'm Hi, so Bruce happy Bazzi. you're here on Table for Two and we're having lunch together. This is <laughs> a dream. It, I'd have lunch with you anytime. Would you? Yes. Oh my God. Yes, I think we should just I be having it. lunches. Why are we not? This is yes. like the thing with LA. Like We should just have lunches and chill out. Yes. You are so much to me. And I'm going to tell you a little story. So the first time I saw you, you don't know. But it was 1992. It was brunch. You're my fame. <laughs> who's on? Th- who's on third? Mm. Remember who's on third at that restaurant? Over by Joanne. Yep. Yeah. And uh, you were sitting there with a bunch of guys, and uh, I remember looking at you and being like, "She's so beautiful. Aww. She's amazing." And what you did. So I'd like to sort of begin our conversation today because this is all about just a connection. And what I believe is the beauty of a, a meal is the romance of a meal. You know, I was young. People you, forget that. You, they forget that. They forget that. It's like people don't ask each other for dates anymore. I know. They want to text and hook up. Yeah. It's like they don't romance. They don't seduce. They don't. It's not interesting, frankly. It isn't. It's everything we had. Growing up? Yeah, it was so... It was titillating. It was like, we didn't know. There was poetry. It was poetry. Right. It's a beautiful word to use. Yes. I mean, at that time, you were hitting, you were becoming... Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone, which we'll talk about. Who ran off with my name and identity. (laughs) Right, which I want to know about. But what you were also doing, which led to was, 
You are a truth teller. I am. So I'm not out here looking to get people as I'm a very big Cheryl Lee Ralph fan. Right. Like I've known Cheryl, <laughs> Cheryl, I've known Cheryl, Cheryl <laughs> since we were kids yeah. in waiting rooms, trying out for the same jobs right. in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And she's the most warm, loving, generous, kind. You know, the first time I met her, she had a bag of licorice wheels and I was sitting next to her, right. sharing wheels. her licorice wheels. And Wait, hold the licorice. Tony, Sharon Stone, let's Good. order some lunch. Oh, we have to eat. I nice mean, to see you. So nice. Boy, you have a face to paint, I, Tony. Right, doesn't well, I he? I appreciate that. Look at that face. Yeah, Bruce is just, you know, buttering me up and stuff. But I'll take <laughs> no, you have no, well, when you have Sharon Stone saying, I'm going to start blushing, okay? <laughs> That's do. a big deal. You have deal. a face to paint. Um, bam, bam. The, you know, anything, this is lunch, babe. Well, I'm going to have the Tower Burger because mm. it's so amazing. Oh, yeah. And do you have any gluten-free thing you can stick it on? I can do like a gluten-free bread if you want, or I can do like a lettuce wrap. Uh, I'll do the gluten-free bread toasted. All right. And how do you want the burger cooked? Well, toasted. I like the burger medium. I like those onions. You saute them, right? I like that. And do you want cheddar, blue, or gruyere cheese? Gruyere. Then are we doing fries or salad for the salad? Oh, we're doing fries. <laughs> and with nice your body. And, nice and crispy. Right, yeah. We're laying in. I mean, we're, lean, we're leaning in. We are leaning in. And, you know, I do my, my classic, my chopped salad with chicken. Got it. I'm digging it. Okay. Right. Did you want to ask the drink or is water okay for you? I like, uh, I'll have sparkling. Sparkling water? Yeah, sparkling water. And maybe I'll have an iced coffee. Iced coffee? Well, you're going off the rails, baby. Right? I know. <laughs> Say again? Uh, just... Just black, do you want any milk on the side? Uh, I'll have milk on the side. I know, I am. Uh, I've had two already. But like, I'm like Jack Chapel sitting here with... <laughs> All right, so, well, I was really leaning into your sort of amazing commitment to AMFAR and to raising the awareness oh, and yeah. to the amount of money and to your commitment to HIV AIDS and what you've done as a human AIDS, breast cancer, yeah. homelessness. Homelessness. Like, can you just, was that always, I mean, was that always a part of? It was a part of my upbringing. Right. Yeah. Like, it was a big part of my upbringing. You know, it's not like I came from wealth. No, but I've read in your book. My, in my universe, we weren't poor. Right. It's hard to explain that so when you'd say, like, you my dad that. made 14 grand a year, right. but we weren't poor. Right. So I grew up in a very small rural community where, like, you know, there were, like, 90 people in my right. school, right? And kids drove their tractors to school in the morning after they finished their farm chores. Right. Right. So we had two acres, which is two, two and a half acres, which is... A big parcel of land when it has next to it a ravine with its own stream where we would walk down the edge of the ravine and you know get the ice in the winter and put it in a bucket and have fun making ice cream in the basement right. with that with the right. crank thing and my dad built a tree house on the side of the ravine with a back door that had a rope with knots and we could jump out and swing across the ravine and he put bunk beds in the yeah. tree house and you know when lightning stuck struck that tree he brought it down with a pulley and made it into a playhouse for my sister on, and me right? and you know what i mean yeah very idyllic kind yeah. of of childhood yeah. but we had neighbors you know and neighbor by neighbors i mean like a mile away right. who had eight kids and were much poorer than we were. So we provided their Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners and, and it was like a secret, like that we drove with the lights out in the car and put it on their doorstep and put their presents wow. and, and that kind of stuff. And it was really great. And yeah. when my parents went to somebody's house for dinner, they left early, and of course, my mother, per usual, had a wet washcloth and a plastic bag in her bag, and they would stop in a field, and my dad would walk out into the field with a big newspapers, and he would cut a gigantic bundle of wildflowers, right. 
and bundle them with binders twine and put them in the back of the car. And then my mom would wash his hands with right. the, the washcloth in her right. thing and they would wrap it with, you know, that's what they would take for dinner was this gigantic bundle of wildflowers. Right. That was a romance too, your parents. My parents were wildly in love with I each mean, other. It's a beautiful story. I mean, they fell in love. She got pregnant at 16. Yeah. He was 17. They both had no parents. Right. You know, my dad came from an extremely wealthy oil family and the oil well blew when he was little, when he yeah. was four and killed everybody. And then they were suddenly went from great wealth to destitution. Right. right. You said you're his nephew or somebody took over the business. Yeah. His nephew like... who was 18. Yeah. Because women, even though my grandmother's money was in this, women didn't get the money. Right. And this is why my dad became such a diehard feminist. Yeah. Because the 18 year old nephew got all the money right. and of course blew it at the track. Right, right. So, killed the business. So a couple of years and everybody was completely broke. And, you know, my dad just could not fathom that his mother, who was my grandma Leela, who was tough as nails. I mean, this is a woman who walked her property in a chaparelli suit with her. German Shepherd Rex in his studded collar and her blackjack in her other hand, you right, know, that right. she wasn't getting her due. Yeah. Because she was certainly capable and tough enough to handle it. Yeah. Reading about your childhood was absolutely amazing because I felt. Well, when you that, lose everything. Right. And yeah, you, you know, lose you lose everything. Stuff, and right. you, what you have to constantly remember is you don't lose everything. Right. You lose stuff. Right. Stuff. Yeah. And the crocodiles will give it to you, <laughs> and the crocodiles will take it away. And the great thing is, as long as the crocodiles don't get you, <laughs> right. you're, you're good. good. <laughs> so now you're like this movie star, and now you're also, because it's in your DNA, you're leaning in, you're giving back, you're, you're separating, you're not so, because at that time, um, well, that's the point of fame, I think. Yeah, right? Is it's, you've got this big purple dinosaur right. hanging on to you everywhere you go. If that dinosaur isn't working for you and for the people, yeah, it's going to eat you. What was your lean into HIV AIDS? Well, I was in Cannes and I got asked to fill in for a night for Elizabeth Taylor. And... It was an incredibly moving experience. I mean, mind-blowing. Yeah. Because while I had been in the modeling industry, which has been very good to me, very good to me. She started that when I was 19 the Ford agency that whole in New thing, York. And when I which I can say is the business where I have really learned the most. Right. I have learned more about myself and others in that business than anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. It's taken me around the world. It's introduced me to more people. And there's more loyalty and family. And we have to get down to work in yeah. that business right. than in any other business I've ever worked in. But not all of these businesses are kind right. back. Right. Mm -hmm. But in my business, the, when the modeling business, we look out for each other and we don't want the business to just go by the wayside and we want to look out for each other. At least I do. Right. And I can say I have tremendous respect for people like Anna Wintour and these photographers that have carried endless pounds of cameras on their backs for their whole lives. Yeah. And like I do in the movie business, mm -hmm. when I see people dragging cable and the rain is coming down and I'm not on set, yeah. I would be inclined to drag some cable. Anna was on, uh, sat with me at lunch and she's an incredible woman. She has your passion and your romance for her work and so generous. Yeah. And so elegant. And, and believe so me, elegant. I didn't understand her when I was a young person. Yeah. She's a very shy. Yep. Yes. Shy woman. True introvert, I think. Yep. Yes. So, okay, so you're the modeling, then leaning into the HIV AIDS. Well, when they asked me to come back, right, so you're wearing they said, after I did the first one, they said, would I do three more years? And because I recognized that Elizabeth was 
winding down in right. her ability to right. continue to do it. Right. And so I said, sure, I would do so uh, read that perfectly. three more years. And I yep. said, Thank you. Um, Look at that. Ah, gorgeous. Okay. Thank you. Gorgeous. No that's, the, that's the way to eat Enjoy. the burger. Thank you so oh, much, sir. There she goes I mean, with me. Yeah, look at that. That's so, of course, burger. I said, sure. Mmm, those fries. Right. Okay. So, I said, sure, I would do three more years. And, <laughs> you know, I'm a problem solver. You are. Oh, excuse me. You are a problem solver. I'm a person that gets that stuff off my desk. Mm -hmm. I'm a person that, you know, if something needs to get done, I do it today. Mm -hmm. I'm a person that, like, if there's a, an issue, I'm not the person that, like, likes to talk around it. <laughs> if someone's doing something that's just bullshit, I'm like the person that calls bullshit. Right. I'm. You are a truth teller. I'm I really you, am. I and it, it. I know it. I it see concerns it. people. Yeah. Of course. It really concerns people. They don't people. like that. No, they don't. And, frankly, I don't always like it. I don't like that I'm not, you know, more suave. People are lauded for diplomacy, mm -hmm. but I think there's a lot of time wasted yeah. with people not talking about what's really actually going on. 100%. You know, my dad always used to say, you know, I like, give it to me with the bark on. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. And people think that it's cruel a lot when you just say it the way that it is. Right. I feel like if I really respect you, I'm going to tell it like it is. Yeah. And if I don't respect you, I don't really care right. what you think right. or what you, if you want to know yeah. or anything, because it's not worth my time right. to get into it with mm -hmm. you because you're not going to get it. Right. And why bother? Right. I mean, it's uh, dig in because we're going to, we we'll dig and, around the, the food eating. But we and eat. that's not it. You no, know what I mean? And I think that one of the things that's consistent with what you can see with your life and your career is your ability to tell the truth and say, this is, no, 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 this is not the way this is going to go down. Like, right. I, I, I see it as it is. And I think that that is so mm. refreshing. You like that? Mm. I mean, the mm. burger, I mean, wow. come on. Um, which I love. I love about, I, I really admire that, Sharon, about you. And I've seen it from... The distance that, uh, you know, I find it so interesting how like it gets me in trouble. Together. I see that it's gotten you in trouble. Like, of course, because people don't want because no. they want people to fit in their their zones, you know, like their their buckets. And then all of a sudden you have you. But so I'm, you come with all this smarts, this brain, this body, this beauty. That's threatening, I think. Well, this truth. Right. No. Right. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. <laughs> People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in exactly. to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, right. which is different than empathy. Yeah. Right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. 
My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to my lunch with Sharon Stone on Table for Two. With burger in hand and some crispy fries, Sharon told me about a wardrobe emergency that took place right before a pretty major award show. I mean, you tell a story, which I, I thought was interesting. You get to Cannes, your bag is lost. No one, all these actresses are around with, you know, clothes on racks. And no one wants to give you shit because you're a threat. Do you know what I mean? Like, can you tell me about that? I'm so interested because I think that that's a thing that you've been able to sort of beautifully navigate in your life. Oh, when I went to Cannes the first time and yeah. my bags didn't come. Yeah, but you're also na- navigating people who want to push back on you. Because and I did. <laughs> and I didn't have any money. What's and and I couldn't buy new clothes. <laughs> So I had to keep figuring out how to make what I had on into 16 different outfits. I love you. <laughs> but it's like when I first got invited to the Oscars right before Basic Instinct had come out. The movie hadn't come out. So no one would lend me a dress. And then it came out like a few days right before the Oscars or something. And I was going to present, but no one would give me a dress. It was unbelievable because I didn't have any money to buy anything. Right. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> All these people in their $40,000, $50,000 dresses. Right. And I went and bought a Betsy Johnson jumpsuit because that was it, a polyester jumpsuit. <laughs> right. It was the best I could do. And I'm doing my own hair and makeup. Right. right? And I was just like, wow, like, this is awful. Like, how am I going to do this? Right. right? But then I got there and I was like in the fourth or fifth row back, which was really good. Yeah. And I was on the aisle and I was seated right behind Anthony Hopkins. And when I walked by, he put his hands together and put them over his head like champion and held them up to me when I passed him. Right. And I was like, oh, my God. Right. He saw my movie. And he's giving me that right. thing. The champion, like, yes. Right. And I yes. told my dad, and my dad was like, kid, you could look good in a burlap sack. Well, that, well that's right. At, at the end of the day. And I was like, <laughs> oh, right. And so after that, I thought, you know, it doesn't matter. I could wear a T-shirt to the Oscars. And so I did. Right. Well, I mean, two things. One is, yeah. That's, you know, your strength, your power of mind and, and beauty. And, and, you, and you, so you're like, okay, you did not go. You went, you threw it on. Mm-hmm. Hopkins is saying, yes, the world's about to see you in a major way. What did it feel like and how did that journey, the lack of effing generosity of people when you're sitting in a room, you got, you got yourself in that room. And now you have the lack of generosity. Like, but you didn't, you chose not to leave the room. You're like, I'm here, and that's what to me is. Well, it was hard because when I got I got nominated for Golden Globe for that part, and when I went to the Golden Globes, and they called my name, a bunch of people in the room laughed. It was horrible. 
It was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. Oh my God, it was horrible. I was so humiliated. I was so humiliated. And I was like, does anybody have any idea how hard it was to play that part? Right. How gut-wrenching and mm-hmm. frightening and how much work it was to play this part right. and kind of try to carry this complex movie that was really breaking all boundaries. Yep. And everybody was protesting against and the pressure and I auditioned for it for nine months. Which I can't get over. They offered it to 13 other people. And now you're laughing at me. I was just like, oh my God. I just wanted to crawl into a hole, you know? Yeah. No, of course you did. And then, you know, I lost custody of my child. When the judge asked my child, my tiny little tiny boy, do you know your mother makes sex movies? Like, this kind of abuse by the system this kind of abuse that I was considered what kind of parent I was because I made that movie. People are walking around with no clothes on at all on regular TV now. Right. All over. And you saw maybe like, (laughs) maybe like a 16th of a second of possible nudity of me. Right. 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 And now, and I lost custody. I lost custody of my child. How did you survive that? Are you kidding? I ended up in the Mayo Clinic with extra heartbeats in my upper and lower chamber of my heart. I did not know that. It, when you say break your heart, it broke my heart. It broke your heart. It literally broke. Right, you had the prolapse that brought, right, the whole thing, yes. Upper and lower chambers. It broke my heart. I went in to get a mammogram and they're like, something's wrong, we need you to do a treadmill test. And I'm like, what? All the doctors came running in. They're like, whoa. That's crazy, Sharon. And if you look, if you look at that moment, would that happen today? We have a whole no. different right. No. You were put through the ringer. It'd be illegal. You were playing a part. You like what you said was when an audience comes to see a movie, versus like when a critic comes to see a movie. Like you know, we come. I mean, you know, the guy that played Jeffrey Dahmer. No one thinks that he's a people who eats people. Right. Do you know what I mean? As he said, you know, this is a very hard part to play. It was very hard to watch. Right. I hope we got something from it. Right. Evan Peters, exactly. It doesn't turn him into a serial killer who eats people or make him an antisocial person. Right. It makes him a very complex person who took an incredibly difficult part, Mm -hmm. which probably made him ill to play. Sure. It is brutal to play these characters. Oh, yeah. And this is why I don't play them anymore. Right. I I don't want to. And it's one thing for the audience not to understand that piece, uh, if you're an actor, what you have to go through. But it's a whole nother story when your peers and the people in the business are not understanding that. And, like, you're losing custody and you have the legal system and you're like wait a minute i mean you know this is my job like this is oh. what i'm paid to do and none of you know the fact that you went through it is absolutely and literally heartbreaking well, it sort of ended my dating world because men were afraid of you and i also think that men didn't want to date a woman that other men thought of like that right and that's also a failure of the male yeah reality sure that's your yes. own. It's her own shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it really <laughs> yeah. is. I mean, that, come I on. can't wade through that <laughs> situation. Right. Then you go on, and you go on to what is like one of the most amazing performances I've ever seen, which is of course in Casino. And here you are now. I was so blessed to have I that mean, part. I mean, come on, you're working like. You're working with De Niro. You're working the with Scorsese. You're working with Pesci. In the you're, business, right. the and greatest directors of all time. Yes. And there you are. That beautiful face, that incredible performance, that whole thing, that whole transformation from like when you it starts the drugs and it goes dark and everything. First of all, I love that movie. I love that movie I too. Mean, and I love those guys. I love that Nick Pelleggi script. I yeah, love those Nick Pelleggi. He's amazing. So tell me about that 
So you go from 92 to 95. Right. And then you end up back in the room where they laughed at you. Mm-hmm. You win a globe. Mm-hmm. You're nominated for an Oscar. Mm-hmm. How does that feel? I was super surprised. I mean, they told me, we can run you for supporting actress. You'll win the Oscar. You can't win for a leading lady. They're never going to let you get a leading lady Oscar. They're never going to let you <clears throat> get because of the size of the part or because it was you? Because it was me. Ah, and I said, but I am the leading lady in the film. Right. So I want to run for leading lady. And they said, but you won't win. And I said, I don't care. Right. I'm not in it to win it. That's not the point here. Mm-hmm. The point is the actual work that I did. Right. And I did the work. You did the leading lady work. For five months. Yeah. With Robert De Niro. Right. And Joe Pesci and James Woods. Right. I did the work. Right. So I'm going to be in the category for the work that I did. Right. I'm not in it so that you'll say, oh, okay. Right. Okay, Sharon. Right. You can have it. You can have the statue. Right. No. I'm in the lane that I drove in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm. Perfectly said. And thanks. Right. So I didn't expect to get the Oscar. Right. Because people don't think of me as an actress. Mm. You know, they don't think of me as a person who loves her craft. Right, right. You know what I mean? Because I don't walk around saying that. Right. I don't walk around saying, like, I'm a dramatic actress. (laughs) Right. I don't walk around having discussions on TV about my dramatic acting. Right. I don't talk about my art form. Right. Because I don't think of it like that mm-hmm. at all. Right. To me, I know Greta. <laughs> I know Greta Garbo's <laughs> looking at me like, explain Sharon's this. looking at a picture, literally facing <laughs> Greta Garbo. That's, couldn't that be Which kind is, of more I used perfect. to have dinner with her. You did? And not with her. Uh, this is so wonderful. She lived like three blocks from me in New York mm-hmm. <clears throat> when I was a young girl. Right. She used to walk around New York. Just With big hat and big her hat, right. big coat and her galoshes. And me too. And we would go to this restaurant that was between our houses and sit alone at tables right. facing each other. Really? And we had dinner in this same restaurant facing each other dozens of times. You're blowing me away. And I never spoke to her, and she never spoke to me. But alone in this restaurant, I sat with Greta Garbo. Wow. And That's the universe again. Right? And she's looking at me like, you're trying to explain this. I know, Greta Garbo. I feel like Greta Garbo right now. It's like trying to explain how the wind meets the trees. Mm -hmm. You're like, what I do, and this is why I love playing people that already lived. Because I feel like I open my soul and let them talk through me. And so I'm not a dramatic actress. I'm a spiritual conduit. Mm -hmm. And when I have the extraordinary pleasure and honor of receiving a script that is actually intended for me, I know it when I get it. Yep. And I feel like... I knew it when I got the casino script. They didn't know it when I got the casino script. And they were seeing so many other people. Really? And I was just like, I'm going to wait till they're done with that. Yeah. I love that. I love your ability to take a step back. Because I also feel like one of the big things in life is timing. Yeah. And when you're seen and to say, and to have a... Like, I'm supposed to play Phyllis Diller. And I know that like I'm sitting here with you. Right. I just know it. That's fantastic. Like right? there are you just know people it. I'm supposed to play. It's going to happen or they're going to miss it. Right. I was great friends with Phyllis. Wow. I went to I her house. Once. I had dinner with her multitudes of times. She taught me her laugh. You she know, did. I know wow. I'm supposed to play her. Right. She didn't even get famous at all until she was in her 40s. I'm right. supposed to play Phyllis. Right. I love the Greta Garbo, like like literally. And the way she's looking, she's looking at me looking like, at Sharon oh, from like, this picture. I'm going to take a picture of it like so I could post it and show people it's, like 
you're trying to explain yes she really the is inexplicable and that you had all those moments it was just so wonderful i feel like it's a diner i a was, diner. Sit, was it a diner i was sitting this table that was to the like the left front and she would sit on the back right looking forward and i would sit in the left front looking back and i used to just think this is so great my dinner is with garbo Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Johnny B. Good. And I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Table for Two. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, one of the amazing and endearing things about Sharon Stone is that she is so outspoken. Sharon talks very candidly about the harrowing events at the heart of her book, The Beauty of Living Twice. So in your memoir, you know, you're very honest about when you were uh, in your early 40s and you had the brain hemorrhage and like that whole experience. It's so riveting. I'm telling you, read this book. And one of the, the things beauty that, of living twice available yeah. on Amazon in any store. <laughs> exactly. Good plug. The fact that you sure that you crossed over and you saw people you love made me feel so at peace. Oh, you should feel at peace. And even though you got the kick in the chest to come back. <clears throat> yeah. So I'd like to know about that and your grandmother coming saying, "Don't move your neck." Yeah. This is these are like things because you and then your strength to say. What are you doing here? As you're being wheeled in, don't do that. This is, I, I need to know more about this operation before you do it. Like, tell me about those things. That so, first of all, when this happened to me, I felt very disenfranchised. I was not getting the help that I needed. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get to the hospital for three days yeah. of this brain bleed. But you were home. I was home. Yeah. And I was calling and trying and 
asking and begging and bleeding and wanting to get to the hospital, but couldn't get there. Eventually, when I got to the hospital and I had the first MRI and they discovered the brain bleed and they realized how long it had been going on, I was in really bad shape. Yeah. That's where I had the initial, what I call like the white out, Mm -hmm. you know, where I was dying and coming back. They then immediately transferred me to a hospital that had a neurological ICU. And a neurological ICU is just a wheel, a circle around a nurse's station. It's not, they're not rooms. And there's just a drape, drapes separating each person. And it's an incredibly traumatic environment Mm -hmm. for many reasons. One of which is that neurological pain is unbelievably painful. Right. First of all, you don't even know where it is because right. it's all over the place and it's inside and outside of your body. So when it was happening, I was actually holding outside my head. I was holding above my head like is, I was holding. That's where you felt the pain? Yes. In the crown chakra above my head, I was wow. holding this space outside my head mm-hmm. and holding onto it yeah. like it was sitting on top of my head, wow. screaming. I think I was holding my beingness, mm-hmm. which was literally outside my body. Yeah. And so after a few days of this screaming, because they had missed it when they went in for, well, they went in it through my femoral artery right. and scanned mm-hmm. and missed why, right. why this was happening to right. me. Right. So I'd been laying on one side, which was less painful. So the blood had pooled on the opposite side of my head. Oh. So they didn't know what was going on. And that's really heavy when yeah. everybody's screaming and you're all fighting for your life. And right. all of our beds are on scales. Right. And it's your body mass that they're measuring, right? So I lost 18% of my body mass in the nine days I was in there. And you can only have like a guest at a time. Mm-hmm. And so my friends, my family are there. I had like my really my ride or die best friend, Donna Chavu. Mm-hmm. She slept in a, yeah. an alcove of a window yeah. in the hospital right. the entire week. Mm-hmm. You know, my mother sat outside the room. Yeah. It was unreal. Yeah. And I didn't eat and I didn't know what to do. And for some reason, they weren't putting me on nutrition. Yeah, I'm like about to ask you, you're not, you don't have an IV with... I was saline. Yeah. Right? But like, I don't know no. what's going on. And my dad became so desperate. And so he really, my dad, <laughs> God rest his amazing soul, he, he said, would you have a milkshake, honey? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, dad. Right. He went to the store. He bought the milkshake, the, the ice cream. Right. He bought ice. He bought milk. Right. He went home. He made me a milkshake. <laughs> He put it in a mason jar, mm-hmm. packed it in ice, right. brought it to the hospital, right. and fed it to me. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That says everything. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I ate. Right. Yeah. I think, because, you know, my dad got esophageal cancer after that. Yeah. And I always said, you know, that my dad, I know, said the prayer that I say for my children, mm-hmm. which is, give it to me. Yeah. Give it to me. Yeah. But any parent wants, of course. You say, yeah. give it to me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that my dad got sick because he said, give it to me. Yeah. Let her live. Give it to me. Yeah. Wow. Sure. And I just think that that's what we do as parents. Mm-hmm. We say, give me the drama. Give me what it is. Let yeah. me carry it. Let me help them. Yeah. Take me. Take me. Yeah. But you were able to, I mean between the stories of your mom and your dad and your dad doing that, the strength, the survivor in you to be also to have the voice. Cause we, so many of us don't have the voice, the courage to say, no, I don't want to do this. I don't understand this. This is power. You, you've been surrounded by so much power in your life and you emanate that so profoundly. I feel it's a hell of a survival story. It really It is. wasn't. You know, it wasn't like a snappy comeback. No. You know, I had to learn to walk. Yeah. I had to learn to talk because I came out of it with a really bad stutter. I lost my depth perception. Right. Wow. Everything. Hearing. 
blew out in my right ear. I mean, I was walking on the tops of my feet I mean, when I left that hospital. Yeah. It's amazing. The, you know, the narrative of your life <clears throat> that takes you from Pennsylvania in, like you said, a poor but not a poor family because of how Everybody you else. And then where you land. Because middle you, America, my friend, is poor. Yes. It's poor. Yeah. So is the painting that you're doing now, is that an expression? Like, how did that... Cause you, you didn't go to university, though you could have gone. <clears throat> I did go the, to university. You went to university. And I finished and got my bachelor's and then degree. Back. Because I was out here and Hillary Clinton came to talk to a bunch of us. Ah. And she was like, you know, you guys have so much power that you don't even realize. Mm. You can do anything you want to do. You're an artist, but you can go outside your art form. You can write a song. You can do this. Right. You can do that. Because you have more power than you're using. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. And I started really, I was sitting on the floor because so many of us came, there weren't places to sit. So I was sitting very near her. Right. And I was thinking about what she was saying. And I thought, you know what? And so I wrote a song for Katrina. I didn't know that. And I wrote the title track song for Come Together Now, the Come Together Now Katrina album. Really? I wrote the lyrics. Whoa. And I started getting people together. I'm like, we're going to write an album yeah. for, for Katrina. Uh -huh. And everybody was like, you can't do that. And you can't get the artists. And right. these artists are all under contract and blah, blah, blah. And you can't do it. And man, let me tell you, the resistance I got. And I never really got the credit for writing the lyrics because you have to really give up right. everything in order to get anything done. But I didn't do it to get credit. I did it to get it done. Right. Right. And then Planet Hope, my sister Kelly and I's organization, we went down there and we got those soldiers who were holding all the supplies in the trucks because they put, took the trucks down there, but then they didn't give the stuff to the people. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So the whole bullshit of we're taking all these trucks down there. Yeah, they did, but they didn't open the trucks. Yeah. So it was like getting them to open the trucks. Yep. Well, so Planet to Hope went down there and we bought kegs of beer right. for the soldiers. Because <laughs> right. guess what? They That's how you get the trucks open. <laughs> right. Right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. And then we bought things for people that like the, the little things. Mm -hmm. Eyeglass prescriptions. Mm -hmm. How you get your diabetes, your insulin filled. How you get the your dentures. Right. All the things that like the little things that people couldn't get back. Uh -huh. Right. And we did the on the ground stuff. But, you know, we had a lot of girls from New Orleans and Louisiana, and we call them our steel magnolias. Yeah. And those girls, <laughs> those girls can get stuff done. Oh, yeah. Right? Yes. So we get stuff done yeah. on the ground. We worked with Burlington Coat Factory. We get coats for kids to go to school. We work with, you know, people to donate their seconds so we can get shoes for these migrant workers' uh -huh. kids. You got to get on the ground and get in there. So that's when I started being a lyricist because mm -hmm. I was like, oh, wait a second. I can write songs about things right. that matter. You know, like this Nobel Peace Prize winner was machine gunned to death in his car going to the airport in South America mm -hmm. because he was in a car convoy and it was supposed to be like a cartel guy that was going was gonna to be hit and they oh. hit the wrong person. So I wrote a song about that guy. What's it like to know that as these killers are coming towards your car, that that's it. Right. It's the end of your life and you spent your life about peace. You're such an artist. Right. I mean, you're such a prolific artist to owe you to, thank you, to express yourself in these it's, ways. And so I thought, you know what? I can do these things. So I went back to college and got my, well, that's what got my bachelor's that's degree. Right. Exactly. Because it's like, yes, I can do this, I can do this, and right. I'm going to go get my bachelor's degree. Right. And when it came in the mail, I was so proud. Sharon, as we sort of wrap up lunch, because I can literally sit with you, we're going to have many lunches together, I hope. Good. Not always. I, I absolutely Because I have questions you. for you. You do? Yes. Oh, my God. I want to say... Who interviews you? <laughs> I'm going to come and interview you for your interview oh series. Oh, my God. Would you do that? I would love to. Table for two with yes. Sharon Stone? Yes. With, with Bruce Bozzi, Sharon Stone? Yes. Okay. You heard that. We're going to yes. do that. That would be an honor. Yes. Um, I've described you as a champion, as a survivor, as a truth teller. As easy on the eyes, but I'm also going to say you're pretty chick. 
<laughs> and you have to read the beauty of living twice to understand what that means. So pick that up. And I am. And you I'm really pretty are. Chick. You are very. I absolutely adore you, Sharon. Thank you for Likewise. coming. Likewise. Thank you. Table for Two with Bruce Bozzi is produced by iHeartRadio, 737 Park, and Airmail. Our executive producers are Bruce Bozzi, Jonathan Haas-Dressler, and Nathan King. Table for Two is edited and written by Tina Mullen and researched and written by Bridget Arsenault. Our sound engineers are Emil B. Klein, Paul Bowman, and Alyssa Midgaff. Table for Two's LA production team is Danielle Romo and Lorraine Virez. Our music supervisor is Randall Poster. Our talent booking is by Jane Sarkin. Special thanks to Amy Sugarman, Uni Cher, Kevin Uvain, Bobby Bauer, Allison Cantor-Graber, and Barbara and Jen and Jeff Klein and the staff at the Tower Bar in the world-famous Sunset Tower Hotel. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.